Good evening, ghouls and fiends, and welcome once again to the Ministry of Horror. And do not panic, do not fret, I hit record already, we're all good. Thank you for the reminder though. Um, hey, how, how's it going everyone? I see we've got a few people in the chat, we've got Bruce Todd, we've got King, uh, Fran the Cannon's here, Baby Ice is here also. How's it going, gang? I hope you're all doing well. Um, we've had a bit of a heat wave once again, which uh, us in the UK aren't really used to. Um, we don't really have the infrastructure for it, I believe the correct uh, terminology is. Um, that has led way kind of yesterday, but more so today where I am, into floods. Well, I say floods, a lot of torrential rain. The annoying thing is it's very humid. It's very muggy. I... Almost, but not quite. I'm not going to be that sort of uh, glass half empty. I almost found it more bearable during the heavier, not the heavier, the uh, the hotter weather. I mean, technically, it's a lot quite, it's a lot uh, cooler temperature-wise, but oh, it's very muggy. It's it's a very very muggy. Um, you may notice, depending on how I move my head, that I have lights behind me as per usual. But I've now. <coughs> put lights in my bookcase try and give it a bit of joie de vivre um for some reason i seem to have kind of shrunk in my seat um is that just the way i'm saying oh, it doesn't give a f don't, don't get me don't matter don't matter does it don't matter um right well hope everyone's had a good start to their week we had a really good show on on sunday for the ministry of slam i've debuted my evil tez look basically it was hot i don't sleep well in the heat fucking tired <laughs> so i was just like look, i've got bags under bags under bags under my eyes i'm wearing some sunnies i don't care and when it's hot i'll put on a hawaiian shirt they're cool in the breeze if there is a breeze um but i'm back to back to usual tonight i'm wearing a jaws t-shirt for those uh, not watching live and listening on audio but i will have to say to temper any disappointment i'm not going to be talking about jaws later on I know, shock horror, we're talking about animal attacks in films, but I'm not talking about Jaws. No, I wanted to... I want quite a few films I want to talk about. There is a mixture of mainstream and not so mainstream, uh, just because I didn't want to just keep things in the water. You know, I wanted to try and give uh, a little a little uh, spotlight on some other films. Um, and one of the films I did actually watch yesterday, and it was, it was pretty good, actually. I do really know a lot about it. But uh, that was uh, a film that's had a sequel recently. We'll talk about that more when we get there. But um, there's been a few more creature feature films recently, Animal Attack films. I believe we've got coming out soon, Beast, starring uh, Idris Elba. The initial trailer I saw for it looked quite interesting. And then I caught a brief bit of a trailer for it on yesterday's Monday Night Raw. WWE Monday Night Raw, and it was showing moments where Idris Elba's like having a punching fight with this lion. It's it's like a lion attack in Kenya, I think. And those moments, I thought, okay, you've lost my interest. You've lost my interest. A man tries to have a fist fight with an enormous lion. Fuck off. I don't know much about zoology or animals, and uh, yeah, I'm not going to pretend I know about that stuff. But when it goes into that mode, I think you're talking nonsense. You're talking nonsense. You've lost me. Monday Night Raw. Yes, Fran. Uh, Idris Elba loves Monday Night Raw. <laughs> um, but yeah, Bruce Todd, I'll agree with you, actually. Jaws 2 is underrated. It's got some uh, 
it's got some creepy kills in it. It's got some creepy kills in it. But first off, guys, let's jump straight into the horror news. And with that, we have four new horror films being released this week, including Orphan First Kill. Uh, this is doing something that doesn't seem to happen that often in cinema. Uh, giving us a prequel to a film much later, you know, a good 10 years, I think, than the original release with the same lead actress now, or actor. Now, it's not completely new. We've had it before with Red Dragon being a new adaptation of the book Red Dragon coming out after Silence of the Lambs by a good, what, 10, 15 years. Um, and yeah, it, there's some criticism with the attempt or lack thereof to make uh, Anthony Hopkins look younger. I mean, he was already a middle-aged man in, in Silence of the Lambs. Um, but I mean, I, I do quite like uh, Red Dragon. I think it's a great story all around. Uh, but yeah, we've got the release of Orphan First Kill, where not only is it a prequel, the same actress playing the lead role, but that lead role was portraying a child, although, the, you know, spoiler alert for a film that's over 10 years old, she's not actually a child, she's a woman um, with this, uh, I can't remember the condition, but she's got, but it basically makes her look younger than she is, and makeup and stuff, she'd play up to that. But it's a decent little film, actually, Orphan. It's not great. It's one of those... I don't know, you call it like a Saturday afternoon slasher. It's not a film that you think, for me, that I think, this is it, we're going to have a great time, this is going to be a quality piece of cinema. Um, it would be more of a case of, watch a, watch a slasher, have a laugh, have some shits and gigs. Um, but yeah, let's let's get started. So, here's all, and this is coming, as usual, from bloodydisgusting.com. John Squires put the link in the chat. Uh, hey Meryl, how's it going? Um, so, first up, the Supernatural Revenge movie, When I Consume You, is now available on VOD outlets today. Director Perry Blackshear's latest release by 1091 Pictures to kick off the week. The breakout festival sensation is now available in the US, Canada, UK, Ireland, Australia and New Zealand. Uh, the trailer for the film is in the link below. Uh, so about the film, this gritty urban folktale follows a woman, Libby Ewing, and her brother, Evan Dumouchel, as they hunt down a mysterious stalker hell-bent on their destruction, testing the limits of love and loyalty in the face of ultimate evil. The third feature, from the New York-based filmmaker, who also did 2015's They Look Like People, which was pretty good, actually, I thought. Um, it was a decent indie film with a fairly original premise, so I would recommend... I think it's on Prime or Freevee, whatever it's called, but they look like people. And he also did 2019's The Siren, and I believe The Siren, I may be getting mixed up here, was the kind of continuation of the uh, Siren segment from VHS. I may be getting those mixed up, but there is, there is a film called Siren. Um, so When I Consume You premiered at the 2021 Fantasia International Film Festival to critical acclaim and went on to have its US premiere at the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival before festivals internationally. Uh, now, what we talked about briefly on last week's show and kind of the inspiration to do a HP Lovecraft show... Um, Later this week, Shudder gets wacky and wild and Lovecraftian with director Rebecca McKendry's Glorious, which will be available only on Shudder starting Thursday, August 18th. So if that's available on UK Shudder, um, as in the Prime channel, 
I will definitely be watching that and giving you guys a review next week. The Lovecraftian horror movie finds a beast inside of a rest stop bathroom stall. More specifically, this otherworldly monster communicates through the store's glory hole. And J.K. Simmons voices the cosmic horror nightmare. Um, it, it sounds pretty interesting. So basically, the true star of True Blood, Ryan Quanten, plays a young man who is spiralling out of control after a bad breakup. His situation worsens after he finds himself locked inside of a rest stop bathroom with a mysterious figure, played by J.K. Simmons, speaking to him from an adjacent stool. As he tries to escape, he realises he is an unwilling player in a situation bigger than he could have ever imagined. Uh, sounds pretty interesting. It doth sound pretty interesting. Um, ah, okay, thank you, Baby Ice. Siren is the VHS spin-off. The Siren is a separate 2019 film. Okay, well, I mean, like I say, I liked um, They Look Like People, so I'm interested to check out The Siren and When I Consume You. Um, yeah, good stuff. So, next up, with a little help from some clever old-school production techniques, Isabel Furman is back as Esther in prequel Orphan First Kill, which will be available everywhere this Friday, August 19th. William Brent Bell, who did The Boy and Separation, uh, The Boy was decent, Brahms, The Boy 2 was absolute dog piss, um, stepped into the director's chair for First Kill. You'll be able to see it in select theatres, buy it on digital, and stream it on Paramount+. Plus. This will be interesting, because we do get Paramount+, Plus here in the UK. Uh, the Paramount+, Plus that I get as part of Sky, the Sky Cinema Package, does seem to be a condensed version similar to the sky version of uh, of uh, peacock so i'm not sure if we'll get that same exclusive but i'll keep an eye out uh esther's terrifying saga continues in this thrilling prequel to the original and shocking horror hit orphan after orchestrating orchestrating a brilliant escape from an estonian psychiatric facility esther travels to america by impersonating the missing daughter of a wealthy family Yet, an unexpected twist arises that pits her against a mother who will protect her family from the murderous child, quotation marks, at any cost. Uh, Rossif Sutherland and Julia Stiles star along Isabella Furman. It's a good, good, uh, good sounding cast. Um, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed the first film, so I'll be checking that out. Um, and next we have, as kind of mentioned earlier on, Idris Elba fights for his life when a hungry predator comes knocking on his car door in Universal's survival horror movie, Beast, which will be releasing into theatres on August 19th. Uh, Baltasar Cormica, uh, who did Everest, which I do really want to watch, I know it's been out for a few years, um, and Adrift, directed Beast for Universal Pictures. Based on an idea by Jamie Primark Sullivan, Ryan Engel, who did Rampage, wrote the script. In Beast, a recently widowed man, played by Idris Elba, and his two daughters travel uh, to a game reserve in South Africa. However, their journey of healing soon turns into a fight for survival when a bloodthirsty lion starts to stalk them. Think Cujo, with a bloodthirsty predator even more vicious than a dog. Well, like I say, the original trailer, and the trailer is in the link uh, that was put in the chat, so you know, do check that out if you will, looked fairly interesting. Um, I've got to be honest, I'm, I used to be a fan of Idris Elba. Like, I liked what I saw of him in uh, The Wire. I only saw the first three seasons. Um, and I thought he was great in Luther. Like, Luther, all of Luther. I mean, the first few seasons are the best, but all of Luther's great. But the last few years, everything I see him in is just kind of playing the same role. Just the same low, gravelly talk. Um, 
I mean, yeah, maybe maybe his appearance in the office where he just plays an absolute dick um, may have tempered that somewhat. I've got something in my teeth. Uh, I've been doing my head in. But I do find he's just a bit samey uh, more often than not. It's like I say, the original trailer looked quite interesting, but then the spot or the TV spot I saw, um, it just... It just threw me off because he is squaring off with what seems to be a bigger than normal lion. I mean, I don't know. I don't see, I haven't really seen lions in the wild. I, you only ever see them in like reserves on TV. But it did look massive. And when he's like throwing punches at it, I think, like I said, I've already saw, swore enough times. But I thought, nah, nah, fam, nah. Um, but that's the new films coming out this week. So let's have a look at what's going on in the chat. Um,. So, but da, 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 Fran McCann, I finally got around to watching The Void this weekend. That had some cosmic horror going on. Uh, yeah, The Void is excellent. It's kind of like, kind of like HP Lovecraft meets The Thing. And The Thing has some kind of Lovecraftian elements to it, but it's its, its own thing, really. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed The Void. It's pretty gruesome um but I, I really like the cosmic horror elements in that bruce todd the void is cool atmospheric which i love um and he's also said just search the song i'm idris elba it's hilarious uh fran the cannon today we're cancelling the apocalypse his speech in pacific rim pacific rim is cool i do like pacific rim i thought the sequel was a real missed opportunity i don't know what went wrong with the sequel i don't know if it's a case of not really having any of the main players back for various reasons but I don't know. And I, I always find it like when a, when a sequel does the whole trope of, oh, well, this character died, so their son. We've now got their son here. I always think, oh, piss off. Um, I don't know. It seems cheesy. Uh, Baby Ice. Beast seems like a current day reimagining of Kilmer and Michael Douglas in The Ghost in the Darkness. Now, I think I may have seen The Ghost in the Darkness many, many years ago on TV. Um, I really can't remember. I really can't remember, but it does vaguely sound familiar. And there's, I know that there's a few films such as that which I w will have missed out on uh, on my list because I've got quite a lot of films we're going to get through later on. Um, but yeah, just chuck in the chat uh, your 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 kind of your th your favourites for animal attack horror. So moving on the news then, um, some some news from Fantastic Fest 2022 including Jason Eisner's Kids vs. Aliens to world premiere, Terrifier 2, VHS 99, Sick, The Menu, Birdemic 3, I didn't even know there was a second one, uh, and more. Uh, so I will drop the link in chat. There's a lot going on in this, so I'll just kind of skim over the, uh, the headlines. But Fantastic Fest, again, from Blood Disgusting, is back for its 17th uh, edition featuring 21 world premieres, 14 North American premieres, and 21 US premieres, and the press release teases killer teddy bears, man-eating sharks, elderly zombies, cocktail-serving robots, and Park Chan-wook, all under one roof. Uh, the festival, once again, will take over the Alamo Draft House South Lamar in Austin, Texas, from September the 22nd to the 29th. And on the web, via a virtual FF at home experience from September 29th to October 4th. Now, that's pretty cool. I'd be interested um, if it's available in the UK. To, I imagine that the web experience must be worldwide. Um, I'd be interested in that because, obviously, I'm nowhere near Texas. I'm in the south of the UK. But uh, that does that sounds cool. 
Um, do, 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 do. So first and foremost, Jason Eisner's highly anticipated Kids vs. Aliens uh, will hold its world premiere. Um, also from, and that comes from Studio 71, also from Studio 71, Cinepocalypse Productions and Bloody Disgusting is Shudder's VHS 99, having its world premiere at TIFF ahead of this year's fest. Uh, audiences aren't prepared for Damien... Leon's ultra gory slasher sequel Terrifier 2, which will hold its North American premiere at Fantastic Fest. Uh, hailing from Blood Disgusting and Screenbox, the film will hit theatres this fall. And also from Screenbox and Fandor, Alex Phillips' avant garde psychedelic freakout, all jacked up and full of worms, will also screen as part of the Burnt Ends program. Ah, some water. So, Baby Ice says more VHS films is a good thing. Uh, Frown can. Will the VHS series turn to DVD at some point? Uh, quite possibly. Quite possibly. I don't see why not. I mean, surely anything going on from like 2000, 2001 onwards really would be more fitting for the DVD world. Uh, there's much more further on in this, uh, in this press release. Um... Christ, yeah, all jacked up and full of worms. Looks a bit crazy. But, uh, yeah, we'd be here all day kind of going through all the list of the films in the lineup. Uh, but there's some cool things to check out. So if you are in the Texas area or traveling that way, I think it'd be a cool way to spend a couple of days. Or alternatively, there seems to be the online uh, way to watch it as well. Very interesting. So if I remember, I probably will forget. Um, I've got quite a lot of things going on in September. We've also got WWE Clash at the Castle. I've got a few expensive things like car MOT service and uh, my flat's annual service charge, which is a bit ridiculous. But I'm also now going to uh, to Birmingham to the Arnold Expo, uh, the Arnold Classic in the UK. Um, quite a lot of people that are going to be there. There's going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jean-Claude Van Damme. I know we've talked about the uh, MIA ministry in action. Um I don't know if those guys are going to be on there on the day I'm going. I'm going on a Sunday. Uh, but I think people like Ronnie Coleman, Jay, Cut Jay Cutler's going to be there, and all you know, strongman staff and MMA. They're going to have like, live MMA, which will be really cool. Uh, but anyway, either way, September's going to be a busy month. So if I don't remember, uh, someone try and remind me, please, near the time. Um, so what else have we got in the chat? Uh, Bruce Todd DVD. I want them on an actual VHS. That would be cool. I imagine they must have done limited runs, at least the first film, I would think. And uh, thank you very much, Jellaray. Don't forget anyone that's new to the stream to uh, like the stream and uh, also subscribe to the MOS network. Uh, we've got lots of cool things here. We now are part of um, YouTube memberships, which means you can have uh, lots of cool things, including emojis so there's some emojis of me ministry of horror and the pooch of horror check that ish out uh Fran cannon says terrifier 2 is listed for fright fest 29th of august i'm interested people let me know in the live chat or if you're listening to this on podcast streams and if you are listening to on podcast streams be sure to give us a five star rating um hit me up on socials at ministry underscore horror on twitter or at ministry of horror on facebook um I want to know your thoughts on Terrifier 2. Are you guys hyped for it? Are you, you know, are you a fan of Art the Clown? Um, are you fans of Terrifier or All Hallows Eve? Um, he seems to be uber popular. Um, I like the design of the clown, but I don't think the films, in my opinion, are very good. That's just me. I like a bit of narrative. But what do people think? There's no judgment here. This is a judgment-free zone. So moving on in the news... Spirit Halloween have just released an exclusive new Trick R Treat and Killer Clowns Funko toys. 
Um, so Spirit Halloween and Funko are teaming up once again with two all-new exclusive Funko Pop toys that are available now based on Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Trick or Treat. Jumbo from 1988's Killer Clowns from Outer Space gets the black light treatment, while the retro Halloween character known as Chuckles from Trick or Treat gets a toy of its own. Um, I'll drop a link in the chat uh, if you are a fan of Funko. Uh, not my not my jam not my jam funkos uh i like i'll just uh, yeah they're behind me can't be asked to get them um i've got a couple of figurines of like uh leatherface uh neko figurine leatherface and uh 1990 tim curry pennywise they're behind me on the shelf somewhere but yeah, funkos haven't really been my jam I, I like kind of detailed things it's like kind of the same with cartoons um when i was growing up i preferred cartoons like that would have really good detail and at some point cartoons or you know back in the day started changing to really really basic really basic animation so i guess that's the same sort of principle with me with funkos it's not really my sort of thing but they are super popular so if they're your thing um there's some limited edition ones coming out soon now i'll try and make sure that this doesn't include spoilers but uh, we've got some news about the Black Phone. Um, there are sequel conversations taking place currently. Uh, so, coming again from Blood Disgusting, John Squires. With the Black Phone now available on VOD and Blu-ray. So I guess that's America because we've only got it on home premiere here at the moment, which is like £16. Probably about $20, uh, $20 $22. Um as well as streaming on Peacock, the film's box office runs behind us. Scott Derrickson's latest, scaring up 152.8 million worldwide, which I think is very, very good for a horror film. Uh, the movie's production budget was only 18 million, so needless to say, the Joe Hill adaptation has proven to be a massive hit for Universal Pictures and Blumhouse. One smash hit success for the horror genre typical, typically results in a sequel, so can we expect the Black Phone 2 in the near future? Well... There are conversations taking place. Uh, Derrickson tells comicbook.com there's already a lot of conversations, a lot of pressure being put on it. I mean, the movie cost 18 million and it's going to ultimately make probably 160 to 170 million worldwide. So they want another one, of course they do. Now, Universal and Blumhouse may be hungry to get the Black Phone 2 in the can, but how does Derrickson himself feel about a sequel? Um, he had told comicbook.com just a couple of months back that he's very much open to the idea. Joe Hill pitched me a wonderful idea for a sequel to The Black Phone that if this movie does well, I'm going to do it. He's got a great idea. I really liked it. Derrickson told the site back in June. Joe's very protective and personal about his material, but he came to me with the idea and I was like, that's how you do a sequel to Black Phone. That's terrific. So I'm interested in that. I am very interested in that. Hey, uh, hey, Ice House, um, Baby Ice. Uh, Fran the Cannon, I have a few Funkos, mostly received gifts, but I'm I am picky about them. Um, and Ice House Killer Clowns deserves an A-list modern remake. Yeah, they've all they've been. I think the, the makers have been talking for years about either doing a sequel or a remake. I mean, stranger things have happened, but it just it just seems like so long has been, and uh, it's quite a niche property. It's very entertaining. I really do love Killer Clowns from Outer Space, but um, it is ripe for a remake. They would have to have the same sort of dark humour, though. I think if they try to make it gritty, it loses its appeal. Um, but yeah, the Black Phone. Um, 
uh, I would have normally assumed a prequel, maybe, but a sequel. Very interesting, seeing what they what they do there. I do feel that it was fairly wrapped up quite well um, in the film. Obviously, not trying to give anything away, but um, I'm 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 game for a sequel. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the Black Phone. So. Do, 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 do. Oh, no, that's far too much. Uh, we'll move on to the next bit of news. We've now got our first look at Tim Burton's Wednesday. Uh, we've got a look at Catherine Zeta-Jones and Louise Guzman as the parents. So Wednesday, which is the new adaptation of The Addams Family, is coming to Netflix from Tim Burton. I will pop a link in the chat for y'all. Coming this Halloween season from Netflix, uh, again, from blooddisgusting.com, I always try and quote my sources, and it's always one source. <laughs> um, Tim Burton's Wednesday is a brand new live-action take on the Adams family, with Jenna Ortega from Scream and X starring as Wednesday Adams. Or Wednesday Adams sorry. Additionally, Louise Guzman as Gomez and Catherine Zeta-Jones as Mortician in, in the series, and Vanity Fair has provided us with our first look at the whole family today. Uh, meet Tim Burton's version of the iconic family above, which also includes Isaac Ordonez as Pugsley Adams, and head over to Variety Fair to see and learn about the series. So this is a little blurb about the series. Wednesday's attempts to master her emerging psychic ability, thwart a monstrous killing spree that has terrorised the local town, and solve the supernatural mystery that embroiled her parents 25 years ago, all while navigating her new and very tangled relationships. Christina Ritchie, will also appear in the show playing a brand new role. Uh, and Alfred Goh and Miles Miller of Smallville are writing and showrunning. Burton is directing. So, I mean, so first off, when I was kind of growing up, and both of these things were kind of almost way before my time, although there's different sort of various adaptations along the way, I always sort of preferred the kookiness of the Munsters. Uh, the monsters, monsters, whatever the monsters. Uh, then the Adams family. Um, I liked the look of the Adams family, but it was never really my thing. Like if it was, if the films were on, like yeah, okay, cool. But as a spooky person, someone who likes my horror, uh, just never really clicked. Was never really my my jam. Now we've talked a bit recently about the trailers for Rob Zombie's The Monsters. There were there has been another trailer recently which. The audio issues seem to have been sorted out. It doesn't look quite as badly lit, but it still does, in my eyes, look fucking terrible. Um, in comparison, though, the casting of this in this image looks great. General Ortega, I think, is a great fit for Wednesday Adams. Uh, she's she's really becoming a, a, a new young Scream queen. Her performances in Scream and X, and even briefly in um, Studio 666, have all been really good, and she looks like kind of spot on as when wednesday adams initially louise guzman who i do like um i thought really him as um as uh, the dad gomez but there has been a comparison to the original comic strip that's based on actually he does look pretty much spot on to the original interpretation and Catherine zeta jones who is still smoking hot uh looks perfect as morticia um and pudsley's just a, a husky a husky kid at the end of the day um not to say anything disparaging about isaac or donors but that's all my interpretations have really been of pugsley so what are the chat saying so zeta jones bruce todd says is so fitting she looks perfect in the role agreed bruce agreed baby ice that ortega chip popping up in all kinds of genre films lately yes yes she is um hopefully we don't get to the point where it's like uh 
I think it's I think it's all right in horror. You get with action films uh, or comedy films oversaturation like uh, Chris Pratt cool to begin with like you know from Parks and Rec and Guardians then all of a sudden he was in everything and it was like oh, god fucking hell Chris Pratt and then it was like oh Chris Pratt's going to be Mario what Chris Pratt's going to play Garfield what um so General Tigers really starting to make a name for herself in horror films and having a new uh hip person being a new kind of scream queen uh, I think I think it's a good thing I think it's a good thing so I'm quite happy with that uh, Frank Cannon, if this is coming out around the same time as The Monsters, then it's going to be hard not to look like a masterpiece by comparison. Yeah, agreed, and it's both It's uh, both a Netflix deal. Uh, so this, I believe, yeah, it's like October time. I think The Monsters is a similar time, maybe November, I can't remember exactly. Haven't really paid too much attention, because I think The Monsters looks... Crap. <laughs> um, but uh, Bruce Todd agrees, Monsters was my go-to as well. Baby Ice Wednesday looks much better than the Monsters, lol, but I preferred Vintage Monsters over Old Adam's Family. Yeah, agreed. I think we're all kind of like like the kookiness of the Monsters, and uh, I guess Rob Zombie's trying to recreate that, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to try and defend it, because I don't think it looks very good. The Monsters, that is. And Fran the Can, and Christina Ritchie's been cast in some unrevealed role. Yes. Christina Ritchie, I do need to watch her latest film. I think it's called Monstrous. I'll try and watch that at some point. Uh, hopefully when it comes on, on offer to rent. Uh, or for free. But seeing her in Yellow Jackets recently was such a reminder of how great an actress she is. She is so good in Yellow Jackets. In Yellow Jackets, I do implore people to watch. Um, there's been some good sort of mystery TV recently, and I do hope that Yellow Jackets and also From, From's a very different series, but From, I believe, has got a lot of makers from, from a lot of makers have lost in it. So I do hope that both seasons, mystery horror type based season series, don't go to the route where they try and have too many seasons and it all gets convoluted and then the ending can never match up to the, the questions being asked. Uh, but so far, so good on both of them. Really enjoyed From, really, really enjoyed Yellow Jackets. Um, and yes, of course, Christina Ritchie was Wednesday Adams in the films. Uh, Bruce Todd, Reverend Bazaar did the song about Christina Ritchie. It's called Goddess of Doom, a beast of a song. Oh, I'm not familiar with Reverend Bazaar. Have to check them out. Okay, and last up on the news, we are going to some gaming news. Uh, now, this is a game series that I've not played, but I've seen gameplays of and it looks fucking terrifying um the sort that would just freak me out uh the scp series scp blackout developers tease a new multiplayer horror game the outsiders uh for those who enjoyed the classified x's contribution to the dread x collection in outsiders get ready for their newly teased title in the outsiders rather than building upon the original game that was developed in seven days the outsiders is a brand new multiplayer horror experience with publisher dread xp at the moment, there's not a lot known about The Outsiders, other than the brief TikTok video shown below, which I will drop the link for the article, which has the video, um, shown below, which features what looks to be a labyrinthian mansion and someone sporting a futuristic laser scalpel. From the game's Twitter page, header image, it would also appear that the participants in the game are being watched by an announcer who potentially has the ability to alter the game to make things a bit more interesting. Ooh, uh, spooky, spooky. So, I need to move my drinks in front of my, uh, in front of my buttons. 
But it sounds interesting. I mean, multiplayer horror, not really my jam, as we know, as I've talked about. And we do still, we do desperately still need to arrange a Evil Dead gameplay at some point. I've not really played it since getting it. And I did enjoy it, but I need to be playing in a group, ideally with people I'm communicating with, because otherwise, what's the point if it's just people sat in silence? But news on that, which isn't in the news, um, they appear to be teasing that Mia from the remake will become a playable character soon which is very cool because i really did enjoy the remake uh but yeah if you're fans of uh horror video games or the scp series which very creepy looking games then uh check out the link for the outsiders coming soon now we're going to move on to the review section Yes, there we go. And first up in the reviews, the recent Netflix exclusive, uh, Day Shift. I wasn't too sure whether I was going to watch Day Shift. Um, I kind of thought, I do like a good comedy, but is this more comedy than horror? Um, and it kind of is. Not in a bad way, though. But Day Shift is a 2022 American vampire action comedy film directed by J.J. Perry in his directorial debut with a screenplay by Tyler Tice and Shay Hatton. Based on a story by Tice, the film stars Jamie Foxx, Dave Franco, Natasha Louis Bordizzo, Megan Good, Carla Souza, Steve Howey, Scott Atkins, and Snoop Dogg. Uh, It was released on Netflix on August 12th. So, uh, Baby Ice, where did these day shift vampires all learn Kung Fu? Um, and also talking about the previous thing, Fran the Can, I heard of SCP, but have no idea what it is. So, the understanding that I have of it, Fran, and uh, if I find the video, one of the videos I saw previously, I can't remember who the streamer was. I think it was on YouTube. But there's someone that did this, this one guy, he doesn't have a cam on, but he does a lot of horror game streams. Uh, like Lovecraftian games. There's this one where you're in a car and you're being followed in Russia. He does a lot of those games. I'll try and find it. Um, but yeah, Bruce Todd says, SCP is a mass-written universe about an agency that restricts Enigma creatures. Yeah, there's certain creatures in this kind of base that can take on different appearances, can appear in different ways. Looks very, very creepy. I mean, the art style, I'd probably say, is kind of graphics-wise, maybe like half-life 2 sort of era it's not it doesn't seem very graphically finesse what i've seen but very 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 sort of creepy on edge type gameplay um does which does not sound like my bag at all uh and king sorry i missed your message the actor and coach made a really good 90s uh movie called creature it was a shark humanoid with powers to mutate and adapt to the environment around it if it gets injured it mutates to a stronger creature oh interesting not uh not familiar with that uh but yeah just to give you a brief idea so jamie fox plays bud jablonski he works as a pool cleaner um but actually he is a vampire hunter now he is not doing so well he doesn't really necessarily play by the rules and uh, there are rules a lot of vampire hunters work for this big sort of mass agency where you you can basically trade teeth like vampire fangs as currency Uh, and you will basically have to work within the parameters of their 
laws almost. But he has been suspended, so he is having to go to like porn porn brokers. The fights with the vampires, yeah, they're quite kung fu heavy. They're quite action heavy, but they've also got very cool physics um, because you get different types of vampires. There's ones called like spider vampires that are like contortionists. Uh, other types, I can't remember the other types. But there's some moments in these fights where the vampires are getting swung and all sort of their whole body's like constricting and necks are being broken left, right, and centre. But it's it's got some decent action. It's got comedy elements with a comedy sort of cast, but it's it's one of those films where it's not full on action, it's not full on comedy. The comedy elements are fairly light. It's more, I suppose, the actors themselves with their comedic timing, like Jamie Jamie Fox is very funny. Uh Dave Franco is very funny. Uh Snoop Dogg plays plays his role as well. But it's it doesn't lean too heavily into the humour, which I was fine with. I was fine with. Um, in terms of horror, there's a few vampire attacks. I mean, more often than not, it's the vampires being hunted. It's a fairly decent story in regards to this uh, old old lady vampire being killed uh, at the very start of the film and that vampire's relationship to uh, some vampire kingpin let's just say that seems to be running things which then basically puts a big target on jamie fox's head and from there he's having to try and get back into this organization which lumps him with uh dave franco who's got to keep tabs on him dave franco's character arc is very funny because he wants to be sat at a desk he spent money his own money on an ergonomic desk chair because he preferred not to be in the field and uh, the moments where he is in the field he pisses himself uh out of fear and that almost becomes his thing um <laughs> which the guy's just like you don't want that to be your thing right no um yeah this it's a fun film it's a fun I, I you know, I had an alright time watching it. And I say an alright time because it wasn't anything special, I don't think. There's the horror, if I'm put, I'm putting this in horror just because it's a vampire film, which you could argue a lot of vampire films aren't anywhere near horror these days. But it it, it has a couple of moments with like necks being torn out and decapitations but it's never really too heavy or gratuitous on the violence or gore and the gore is minimal uh, it's a decent little action i'd say it's an action comedy i'm gonna give it a six out of ten it's not a bad film um but very much have middle to low expectations and you'll probably have a very fun time if you go into this hyped for a new vampire film um i mean just i guess expect action with bits of comedy and a little bit of a little bit of vampire violence in it that's kind of what you're going to begin so that is day shift now um found the can in the chat does anyone accept um expect exceptional from something made for netflix not really these days uh netflix at one point were pumping out lots of great original content but mm, don't know it uh, seems to be very hit and miss these days. More often on miss, unfortunately. And Bruce Todd says, yes, Control is a similar sort of idea. So that SCP is very kind of similar to Control. Uh, Control's good. I've never finished it. I've only played bits and bobs of it, but I do enjoy Control. We're now going to move on to the Full Moon Retro Review.
do we have for the full moon retro review? Do you have any guesses of what uh, what I've subjected myself to this week? Um, so I, I literally just went on the full moon channel on Prime and clicked on one of the first things I saw. And I actually had an all right time with it, even though it was... Oh, I mean, I'll get into it in a, in a moment. Oh, Bruce Todd. No, I forgot about 50-foot cam, girl. I did think after I was about two-thirds of the way through this that I probably should have just put that on. Um, but I, I forgot. I, I left it quite late this week with the, the, retro, the retro viewing. No, I watched Doll Graveyard. And no, it's not related to Puppet Master or... Um, Murderous Toys or whatever that other film was called that I actually quite enjoyed No, Doll Graveyard is a 2005 horror film released by Full Moon Features and directed by Charles Band. It involves four dolls that are possessed by the spirit of a young girl and come to life with murderous intentions Has anyone seen Doll Graveyard before I continue? <sighs> I'm just gonna let that let that simmer for a second. Have a quick honk on my vape. Brown the can. Surprisingly, no. So, Doll Graveyard. <laughs> it opens in nine. So this is a film. It's like an hour and eleven minutes long. Right, perfect for my attention span. Nine minutes of that is is the credits at the end, and the opening credits are like. And the first part of those credits before the end end credits is like Predator or something from the... Uh, and when I say Predator, not the film, but do you remember the credits in Predator where it's got them sort of like smiling at the camera and waving when it says their name? It's kind of similar to that. It's very... It's very like 1992, but this film was made in 2005, which is kind of synonymous with the rest of the film. It does look like it was made a lot earlier than it was actually actually shot. But the film opens in 1911. There's a guy called Cyril, who's an abusive father, finds that his daughter, Sophia, is playing on the floor with some uh, some dolls, and she's not supposed to be in there. Bear in mind, this isn't a room. This is the hallway. This is right by the front door, but apparently she's not allowed in there. He appears that he's going to beat her, but then decides, no, that punishment she wouldn't understand because she's too thick. So he's a really real piece of work. Um, he decides to make her dig a grave for her dolls. Yep. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so she she's crying. She's digging this grave in the garden, and then somehow she falls in. Bear in mind, you're thinking a child digging a grave for some dolls is not going to be very deep, but she falls in and breaks her neck. So the dad, in uh, his torment conceals this by covering up the grave of the dolls and his daughter and his pocket watch he's got this famous little pocket watch falls in we cut to the present day los angeles 2005 there's a new family that live there and uh the dad goes out for the evening there's a precocious uh brother who is uh playing with these dolls that he's dug up in the graveyard uh, and he likes all his sci-fi and, uh, and figurines and stuff. And his sister, who's a teenage girl, she wants her friends around to come around and drink. Uh, and these boys gate crash because they want to get fresh with the girls. So they push around the little kid. Bear in mind, he's a child in comparison to them. T they tie him up so they can go down and party with the girls. 
this leads to somehow the dolls, I guess because they've been unearthed from the garden, coming to life and the spirits of this little girl possessing the young boy and the dolls start killing people. Uh, the, the, the kills are pretty pretty fun, actually. The kills themselves, yeah. it's It's got its moments, for sure. But the acting is fucking terrible. It is god-awful. It is so bad. Um, it has actually had a spin-off film, Ooga Booga, which just sounds bad, because uh, one of the dolls, when the girl's playing them at the start, is this uh, tribesman-type doll, and she's going, Ooga Booga, Ooga Booga, Ooga Booga, which I'm not sure if there's that's appropriate i don't know um but that that's had a spin-off in 2013 and the doll ooga booga has appeared multiple times in the evil bong film series which is another full moon franchise i've not watched any of those yet um i won't say what he does in the films um, but he appears in a number of those films so oof, what to give doll graveyard this is how not to do a puppet master or murderous dolls, demonic dolls, demonic toys. Demonic toys, that's what I'm thinking of. It's not great. It's not great. The kills are decent enough, but the acting is terrible. Three out of ten. Three out of ten for Doll Graveyard. I don't recommend you watch this. I mean, it depends. I mean, the, the doll animatronics are quite cool. The designs of the dolls are quite cool. Kills are fairly decent. It is only a very short film. You're really looking at barely over an hour's worth of uh, of action. But the acting is terrible, and it does look a lot older than it actually is. So that's Doll Graveyard. So, people. Bruce Todd's up for watching it. So, people. Um, for anyone that's done their homework from last week, that was... Uh, where's my homework music? That was the adaptation uh, by Richard Stanley of H.P. Lovecraft's Colour Out of Space. Uh, now, I selected this for homework last week because we were doing the Lovecraft episode, so it only, filled, only felt appropriate. Um, oh, Baby Ice, been told off for naughty language. Um, so see if you can do a workaround to that that's an automatic thing i have no control over but i think that's also to hopefully stop uh, us getting spammed by porno things which we normally do um so apologies baby ice try and use a different word i, mean, I didn't see what it was why it's uh why it's not happy um Colour Out of Space, yes. The film was directed and co-written by Richard Stanley based on the short story The Colour Out of Space by H.P. Lovecraft, starring Nicolas Cage, Jolie Richardson, Elliot Knight, Madeline Arthur, Kwarnika Kilcher, and Tommy Chong. Um, this is Stanley's only feature film since his firing from The Island of Dr. Moreau. According to Stanley, it's the first film in a trilogy of Lovecraft adaptations, which he hopes to continue with an adaptation of the Dunwich Horror which we'd hope maybe he could do, but at the same point, there's been some some uh, issues with him. Uh, allegations, which if true, are very bad. We won't go into them. So, what do we think? Are we fans of The Colour Out of Space? I... Uh, 
I like this film. I do like this film. I think visually the film is incredible. The use of the lights, like the the light that's kind of coming from this alien meteorite. Purples, very lush colours. The mutations are very creepy. Um, <clears throat> as the mutations turn to these abominations, very, very creepy. I couldn't help but feel that I wasn't a massive fan of the finale. Can't put my finger on it, but I just didn't... Re I wasn't really that phased or fussed by how it ended uh so what do we think uh chat let me know your reviews of color out of space so um baby ice is creepy af bruce todd color is massive fun it's an auto 8 out of 10 for me baby ice nick cage loves the color purple bruce todd i separate creators from the workers they were not the only one involved yes very yes very true point very true point um as as i do i mean like i say all the allegations of Michael Jackson, I still think Off the Wall is a brilliant song. Um, and obviously Beat It is incredible. Uh, Baby Ice, I don't get it. Um, I don't get if it's witchcraft or a space invasion. Well, it's... It's a space invasion, or it's a meteorite from space, or an alien sort of entity. Uh, alien... thing that's come down, struck this uh, this this town, which is then leading to all these changes that being said the daughter when she sort of carves the symbol on her head and she goes quite witchy but i think she was wiccan to begin with maybe i don't know it's been a while since i've watched this but i mean i generally enjoyed the film but like i say up till the finale where uh, it wasn't really for me that ending wasn't really for me but uh but yeah do people enjoy it did they not enjoy it um but yeah i mean bruce todd says an eight out of ten um baby ice what did you think and uh and fran did you uh did you manage to watch the color out of space i mean it it, uh, it reviewed fairly well 86 percent on rotten tomatoes which is a very good score but, i mean yeah i'd probably give it like a good seven out of ten personally because it's, it's really only the ending that i just wasn't a huge fan of um yeah we'll move on from there to this week's homework which we did mention last week and i thought well i can't uh, i can't not have that as this week's homework it's another nick cage feature it is in my opinion the far superior although they're very different films different filmmakers but uh, if we're talking nick cage specifically that is mandy 2018 psychedelic action horror art house film directed by Panos Cosmatos, produced by Elijah Wood and co-written by Cosmatos and Aaron Stewart Arn, based on the story uh, Cosmatos conceived. Co-production of the United States and Belgium, the film stars Nicolas Cage, Andrea Riseborough, Linus Roach, Ned Dennehy, um, Olwyn Fuhr, Richard Brake and Bill Duke. Uh, I mean, what other films has Panos Cosmatos done? I've heard that his previous film to this was meant to be very good. Uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow, I've still never seen it. Um, I don't know what sort of UK release it's had. Um, but uh, he's got another one coming up to be confirmed. Necrocosm. And based on the how, how Mandy was, I mean, I love this film. I think it is excellent. Um, let's look at the chat. Baby Eyes talking about Color Out Space. 6.5 out of 10. Um, is the entity gone? Did it set time back? Is it going to swallow the Earth? It, yeah, it's... 
a little bit too vague. I, I like film. I do like films that leave some interpretation up to the viewer, but sometimes things can come off just as vague for the sake of it, or you know how 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 I feel on that. So yeah, I'm, I'll stick with my seven out of ten, but six point five I think is fair. Baby Ice. Baby Ice now says about Mandy. Now, this is a great film. Already giving it a 9.5. Bruce told Mandy's a straight-up blast. This is 9 out of 10. Nick is great. Needed more Richard Brake. He always owns. Um, Fran the Cannon. So, second Riseborough after possessing Cage appearance. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Now, don't worry. We're going to be entering, I think, a little bit of a mini Giallo uh, season in a, in a few episodes because I've got the Giallo box set. I'm going to see which ones I like out of them because I think there's been a second one released recently. But uh, I've spent enough on these in the last few weeks on these like limited edition um, Arrow releases, Blu-ray. So I, I need to watch the pennies. <laughs> but we'll look at some uh, under-the-radar giallos soon. We've done a few giallos, though, so I probably won't do those for a few more weeks. And yeah, Break was in that Bingo Hell flick from Friday. Yeah, we watched on the channel, and I wasn't I wasn't going to include it in the reviews because I really didn't pay a lot of attention to it. Uh, a film called Bingo Hell. Um, boo, Bingo, <laughs> Bingo Hell. Uh, Baby Ice says, yeah, I didn't think the film was good. I mean, maybe if I'd paid a bit more attention, I don't know. It just it didn't seem very good. But yeah, your homework for next week is Mandy. So, do we take a break and look at the gaming ad? I don't think so, because the quarry has finished. If you haven't watched any of the quarry uh, gameplay, it's all on the uh, the channel, the MOS network. There is a sub-channel in there for gaming and also the Ministry of Horror. It's on both of those, so uh, you'll have to kind of go through the other sort of videos or skip around if you want to watch the whole the whole gameplay of that. But uh, yeah, in a few weeks, I'll look to return to gaming. I just want to find something, a good single-player narrative-heavy story to sink my teeth into. Not necessarily horror. I don't play that many horror games. I love horror films and books. Um, but I like a good story-based game. So I think now we just <laughs> we just go mad, lad, and we go into our featured presentation. around the canon um lawrence did not enjoy elden ring no i did watch i did watch the gaming stream uh it's a shame it's um i did mention to him because i know he'd been he'd uh mentioned about it before um that it's not it's not like skyrim from soft games are notoriously difficult um i've tried most of them i managed to complete bloodborne because i found a loophole uh the loophole did get patched but i made sure not to update my game with the patch update um but yeah i love the style and the appearance of the games they're very heavy all of the bloodborne sekiro um dark souls demon souls um elden ring they're all quite influenced to various degrees by berserk and i've been plowing through the dulux uh edition collection of book one of berserk it's so good uh it's so good so I, I like the stars, and I very much do enjoy watching playthroughs. Like I'm very I'm looking forward to when uh, the RKG guys get to Elden Ring. Like Demon Souls, they're playing at the moment. That it's more their banter that's funny because the game itself, 
I, I feel is very a lot less on the lore than those other games. Um, and I, I do like the lore uh, in those games. So I'm looking forward to when they get to Elden Ring, because Elden Ring's cool, and I do dip in and out of Elden Ring. I do find if I get destroyed, and quite a lot of times I will bail out. Um, I more often will not then find will find a boss room and then just run to that, skipping all the enemies, which doesn't really help me level up, because you need to be killing things to get the things and leveling up. But there's moments to it to enjoy, and I do think... Sorry, I need another glass of water. I do think to those games, there is a level of satisfaction when you finally defeat something that you've, you know, you've been trying quite a few times to defeat or you've got so close, learnt their rhythms, their patterns, maybe got caught out a few times. Um, but yeah, they're, they're not for everyone. So yeah, when, when Lawrence said um, he was going to be playing Elden Ring, I was, I was intrigued. I mean, I think he's a better gamer than I am. Like I, I don't stick into games all that long it has to be a really good game in my opinion for me to stick with it like i really like the last of us games um really like the life is strange games very different games um but I'd, you know it's a good story if it's a good story that keeps me going and moving the story along then i'm interested um but with those games like Elden ring and such you don't get much signposting you don't necessarily pick up what the story is because more often than not it doesn't really seem to make sense unless you're reading a lot of the items and you're interpreting things. I mean, there's a lot of hidden stuff that I hear about, and you think, well, how would anyone know to do that? You know, and to me, that's a little bit of a piss take. But like I say, I quite like watching gameplays of it. Um, Adam Cole, um, the Chugs, he he's done a gameplay of it, and it's pretty entertaining. A lot of these people, though, do seem to, when they're playing it, and I don't know if this is just me making excuses, lazy Miyazaki. <laughs> Um, I don't know if it's just me making excuses, but a lot of players, like on other sort of streams that I've seen, do seem to be insanely overpowered very early. And I always sort of think, are you actually doing this as a first playthrough? Because they do seem to be saying that they're doing the first playthrough, but they're just absolutely destroying a lot of the enemies. And I think, well, how have you done that unless you've literally just gone, right, I'm going to spend hours farming souls in this area or what? I, d I don't get it. I don't know if there's like a little... If you just do this, you'll make your attacks ten times better, or your your defense. I don't know. Probably means making excuses. But anyway, this isn't the main discussion. Uh, the main discussion is creature features. Um, the reason I wanted to talk about this, we've had a few films coming out recently. We've got, as mentioned, Beast coming out uh, this week with Idris Elba. Uh, also, a recent film was a sequel to the first film we're going to talk about. And it's a film that I watched only this week because I saw it was on Shudder, and that is The Reef. Uh, the Reef 2, Stalked, or The Reef Stalked, whatever it's called, is uh, a new film that's come out uh, on Video On Demand recently. And The Reef is a 2010 Australian survival horror film, written and directed by Andrew Trauke in his second feature film, After Black Water. The film is about a group of friends who capsize while sailing to Indonesia and are stalked by a great white shark as they try to swim to a nearby island. What I liked about this film, and I guess what we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about a few different areas. So a lot of horror films will be a serial killer or a monster, like man-made or whatever, or alien, uh, supernatural, something, you know, outside the realms of normality or possibility. 
But there's an element of additional fear when it comes to making a horror film based around what could very well potentially, just not with all of these films by far, but potentially have an element of plausibility. So with The Reef, it's only like an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes long, but it keeps up a lot of tension. There's only maybe 20 minutes, half an hour tops, where we're meeting this group, they're going out on this sailing trip, la di la di da having a great old time hitting a bit of reef and capsizing. And that's where you're getting your first moments of uh, claustrophobia when they're going underwater in this boat to try and find uh, supplies. Having this decision, um, whether do we stay on this capsized boat like on top of it, you know, there's damage to it. Is it going to hold? There's no way that they can flip it over because it's a big boat. Um, or do they swim out to an island that they can't even see anymore, but they know what direction it's in? They made the decision to swim, except one guy who stays on the boat. Um, and you kind of have to think, like, what would you do in that situation? It's a very plausible situation. You know, people go out sailing all the time, go out on, on boat trips all the time. Um... And in the situation like that, I mean, they have like this flare. I can't remember its specific name. It's a type of flaring signal. But they're not under any flight paths. So what would be the point in shooting it up? You'd need planes overhead to see them. So you've got a real sense of isolation straight away. Uh, yeah, Bruce, if you've got Shudder, this is on Shudder. Well worth the watch. Um, so you think, okay, do we stay on the boat? What resources do we have? Do uh, Is anyone else taking this trip in a boat because otherwise how are we going to get saved or do you risk it in the water bear in mind that swimming <laughs> i know it because i'm not a very good swimmer I can, I can swim but i'm not a strong swimmer is exhausting and you can't even see where this island is from there as you can imagine from the picture they encounter a very large shark and it's the thing is as well that the shark footage in this film is real shark footage they're not actually obviously being attacked by real sharks but they're using footage of actual sharks which i think only makes the terror even more heightened um i'd say when it gets to the moment of any sort of kills they're fairly by the numbers but there's not a huge cast there's not that many kills um but they're all done very well there's a moment um not to get kind of too spoilery here but the film is 10 years old or so when trying to get onto some form of land it's there's nothing to get purchase on it's all very slippery rock so you're like oh great i've made it to this location i can't get on it though because you, if you've got nothing to grip, you're soaking wet, the rock is soaking wet, how do you get any purchase to get on top of it? So this is a great creature film, a great, you know, shark film, um, and it's one, like I say, I only watched this week, so I thought I've got to include it. Uh, next up, one that I saw a few years back, and I know there's been a sequel, but I've not seen the sequel, but again, I thought this is a fairly inventive uh, take on the um, the water-based horror and I think we're, we're going to stay in the water for a little bit here we're going to look at a few different locations but we're going to stay around uh, around the water and that is 47 meters down 2017 survival horror film directed by Johannes Roberts written by Roberts and Ernest Rear and starring Claire Holt and Mandy Moore 
Mandy. The plot follows two sisters who are invited to cage dive while on holiday in Mexico. When the winch system holding the cage breaks and the cage plummets to the ocean floor with the two girls trapped inside, they must find a way to escape with their air supplies running low and great white sharks stalking nearby. Um, this was released United States 16th of June 2017 and the United Kingdom 26th of July that same year. Uh, gross 62 million worldwide against a budget of 5 million. Uh, the sequel was 47 meters down uncaged, released in 2019. Like I said, I'm not seeing the sequel, don't know too much about it. Um, sorry, just seeing the chat. Bruce Todd, what a, what a choice, drown or get eaten, which is worse? I would probably say drowning is worse. Um, but I guess it depends on how you're eaten. Because there's... There's one moment which is something is removed and you're alive for a bit, but not that much longer. I don't know. I'd prefer the more instantaneous way than uh, than drowning, I think. I think drowning would be incredibly traumatic. I mean, you'd, I believe, pass out before you die, I suppose. But the moment that your lungs start filling up with water, oh, not, not nice, not nice. We have 47 metres down. This, is, again, is another decent uh, shark film. I mean, there's tons and tons of shark films. Obviously, honourable mention uh, has to be sharknado which is mixing the air which will we don't really have many air films in here i was going to talk about the birds but again it's a very classic film um there's not really been too many good aviate aviary based horrors that I, that I can think of everything does seem to be more grounded or in the ocean um but shark sharknado takes <laughs> takes the sharks out of the ocean and sharknado is it's it's dumb fun I've, I think i've seen the second one i haven't seen any of the other ones but uh, yeah, 47 meters down. Again, it highlights that moment of claustrophobia and and peril where they're stuck in this cage. You've not just got your oxygen running low, but you can't just get out of the cage and swim as fast as you can up to the top because you'll get the bends. The air pressure change um, will will kill you if you rise up too quickly. It just will. So... They have to be incredibly careful about conserving their oxygen, not getting eaten by the sharks who do start attacking the cage, and trying to get to the surface um, and staying alive. It's... It's a good film. It is a good film. I will need to watch the sequel at some point. Um, I know the sequel has been on Prime or, or Shudder, but uh, yeah, do people do people like Forty Seven Meters Deep? Have you seen it? Um, what do you think? Brand the Can the Shallows is a very good one, and Baby Ice knows what we're talking about next. We're keeping it in the water here, people, and we're going with Piranha Three D. Now, I haven't chose the original Piranha film, Piranha Two: The Spawning, because I've not seen them, but I have seen Piranha Three D, and what I liked about Piranha Two is bat wings, yo. Says uh, Baby, uh, says Bruce Todd. Sorry. Um, and yeah, Frank the Cam, The Shallows is actually a really good film. That's uh, Blake Lively. That That's another good film where you've got the moment of isolation. Uh, I think a good shark film doesn't need to be heavy on body count. More often than not in these sorts of films, it's the terror and the anticipation of what's coming that's scary. Um, seeing people get chomped up can work, can be good, but can also 
diffuse the moment because you're thinking, oh, God, that looks crap or that looks really good. Uh, Piranha 3D goes all in on the gore and the comedy. This film knows what it's doing. And it's uh, it's not based around real... And I mean, piranhas are real, but these are piranhas that are from, like, the prehistoric times. Um, this is a 2010 American 3D horror comedy. It's a loose remake of the original from 78. Um, and it's uh, set during spring break on Lake Victoria, a popular waterside resort. An underground tremor releases hundreds of prehistoric carnivorous piranhas into the lake. Uh, Elizabeth Shue plays Julie uh, Forrester, and she must join forces with an unlikely band of strangers, though they are badly outnumbered to destroy the ravenous creatures before everyone becomes fish food. It's an Alexandra uh, um, Aya or Aja film, and he does some. He's he's got another film coming up on this list. He does some good stuff, but this is full on comedy gore horror. It's it's a good entertaining fun. Um, I haven't just put this film on the list because it's got Kelly Brook or because it's got famed actress Jenna Michaels in it. Um, it's it's a fun B movie, and it knows that it's a B movie, and it's a B movie with a budget, which doesn't happen all that often. Um, you know, there's a lot of B movies out there, like modern ones, and quite a fair few of them are trash. But it's the ones that are just having fun with the horror premise, the sci-fi premise that work best, I find. Um, a friend of cancer's sharks. You want to flip them over? They go into a trance state. <laughs> do they? I mean, how do you flip over a shark? You'd have to. I don't know, I wouldn't be brave enough to try. But I imagine that would be quite funny if they're coming at you full pout. Manage to do a little spin rooney on them and they're just like, just, I'm out of it now. I'm out of commission. Um, but yeah, this this is then taking the terror in the more gore-based direction. It's the more fantastical. These aren't your everyday piranhas. Um, but they've got, uh, they got a lot of teeth. And I think at the very end of this, I'm sure we get an enormous one. So it very much is uh, <laughs> it's going going full pelt with the crazy. Now, we're going to start moving away from the terrors of the water to the land. But we're not quite all the way out the water yet, guys. We are going to go next to Crawl, another Alexandra Aya film. This one is more based in reality. It's a, it's a 2019 American natural horror film. Written by brothers Michael and Sean Rasmussen and produced by Sam Raimi. It stars Kea Scodelario, who I think was she in Skins when Skins got really silly. I never really was into Skins personally. Uh, and Barry Pepper as a daughter and father who, along with their dog, find themselves trapped in the cruel space of their home and preyed upon by alligators during a Category 5 hurricane in Florida. Very, very sort of realistic sort of film. Cruel is a, it's a, it's a decent... It's a really quite good creature feature. And it's again having that premise where this is quite plausible. I mean, in the UK, yeah, we've got floods around the UK at certain areas. I'm not going to speak disparagingly because in the areas I've lived in the south of the UK, it's generally never really been too bad. There'll be flooded areas, but we certainly haven't really seen the sort uh, that will kind of, you know, take cars and houses underwater. But I know that these things do happen, you know, in, I think, Texas not too long ago. I'm sure that there was a huge flood. Uh, different places. Florida, of course, which is where this film is set. And, of course, it's really quite plausible, especially in a place like Florida, which does have alligators, and I've seen them when I, when I visited. That uh, if, if, if the city goes underground, underwater, sorry, especially in these areas where you've got uh, a lot of alligator life, 
why wouldn't they go further in inland? Because they could just swim in. Um, Bruce Todd says, Cruel is nifty indeed. Fran can Cruel is certainly good. Bruce Todd, we had a bad one in 97. Cars underwater and everything. Wow, so... It's, it's again, it's taking that situation, which could be very real, could very much happen. Um, and uh, it's it puts us in a situation where we've got an element of claustrophobia, a lot of um, confined spaces in the cruel space of this house. Escape attempts. Um, it's, this is a good, a good, good, good creature feature. And alligators prove in this to be quite a formidable foe. I was thinking of maybe including things like Lake Placid. I haven't seen Lake Placid though in so long. And it's a fun creature feature, but I, I thought oh, I'll, I'll watch, I'll put things that I've seen a bit more recently that toe the line between realism which i would say this one is uh and our next one which is a film i reviewed a few weeks back which is alligator i do still need to see the sequel i've heard very mixed things on the sequel but i think this film is excellent uh, it's a bit more in the science fiction horror realm 1980 american independent horror film directed by lewis teague written by john sales it stars robert forster robin Riker, and michael v gazzo so this is where we are tempering that line of wildlife fighting back and science gone wrong. That's where the science fiction element comes in. So my camera is going a bit high. There we go. That's a bit better. So what we have here is an alligator that gets bought at a fair gets flushed down the toilet um i'm not <laughs> sorry the chat bruce i'm not seeing birdemic yet i'm getting concerned uh, um, <laughs> a baby alligator gets flushed down the toilet and it ends up in the sewer because parents parents are quite frankly awful <laughs> um and at the same time many years later these scientists have been throwing dead animals like dead dog carcasses in the sewers they've essentially been picking up strays and experimenting them on serums which cause excessive growth or rapid growth so these corpses are being eaten by this alligator that's been growing in the sewers but because they've got these additional scientific growth hormones and the alligator's growing massive and uh, it's a story that you've always heard about in america we don't obviously have alligators over here um but you hear of like an alligator in the toilet or an alligator in the bath or you know kind of these crazy scenarios we think well, how is that possible how's it crawled up through the sewers um our baby ice bats is a film that we've talked about doing on a, on a friday stream i've still not got around to watching it but a lou diamond phillips film is uh, is normally pretty entertaining i'd recommend if you like a good b movie route 666 um and this film the oh my god it doesn't hold back with the violence there's a really cocky game hunter that comes to the city to try and hunt down this alligator and he gets eaten just pretty graphically alive like it's got his legs dangling out of his body while it's munching him down um i also think the effects themselves for for a, a b movie um in the 80s 1980 of an alligator look pretty good I think the effects in this are actually pretty good. Uh, like I say, there's a sequel. I've not seen that yet. And it did actually get a tabletop game um, by the Ideal Toy Company in 1980. Um, never played it. Probably doesn't exist anymore. But this is where we are leading from science, from, you know, alligators into a bit more science fiction horror. 
Now, next up, we're going to go from the cities, the sewers uh, of, you know, of, uh, of America, all the way to the outback. And I caught this film at a film festival in the UK that, was, that does classic films on 35mm prints. It's called uh, Grindfest by Dirt, and, Dirt at the Gate Films. I don't know much about this film, but it's a 1984 Australian natural horror film written by Everett DeRoach based on Peter Brennan's 1981 novel and directed by Russell Mulcahy. Uh, the film revolves around the attacks of a gigantic wild boar terrorising the Australian outback, killing and devouring people. This doesn't hold back. This boar in the first five, ten minutes of the film bum rushes through this cabin, this house where a granddad's looking after his grandson, and takes the son. You can only assume it's it's killed him. I think that's kind of confirmed a bit later on. But it just plows through, and the son's gone. Um, this is violent, and the effects in this are really cool. It's it's a good film. It's a good film. There's a moment a bit later on when one of the reporters uh, who's looking into this or investigators, I can't remember exactly, she's in her car and the car gets attacked by the boar, and she's putting up a valiant sort of fight in the car but ultimately you're not gonna you're not gonna win a fight with an enormous boar and it leads to a really really good violent finale in a warehouse this is a this is a cool film if you've never seen razorback i think there's been more recent boar based films i think there is even a film called boar um but I've not, this is probably the only sort of boar based film that i've seen certainly and it's a lot of fun um it's not fun actually it's just quite it's quite dark um but the kill's great in it there's a lot of moments of tension it's not so much it's not so much like claustrophobia because you're in the outback you're in wide expansive spaces and deserts and warehouses but there's this feel also of isolation because you're in the outback of australia you're not in these populated towns these attacks are happening uh in these isolated areas it's it, it, really good this is a really good out there film definitely one worth watching i would say uh we're now going to be taking a bit of a trip to the jungles and also when the jungles uh infiltrate our homesteads so moving on we're going to look at arachnophobia. I never watched this back in the day as a kid, because as a kid, I really, really didn't like spiders. Really, really didn't like it. And a film that is uh, a comedy horror, or black ho uh, black comedy uh, horror, did not seem like it was my sort of jam. Um, I, I watched it on TV many years later, and it's very, it's very light. I mean, it's full of spiders, but there there's only one near the end which is played up and that's played up sort of almost a comedic elements of how you know it's it, how large it is but it's still quite creepy um there's there's some real moments in this film where especially if you're someone that doesn't like spiders because a lot of the spiders are fairly normal size this isn't like um I can't remember the name of the film. There's a film, I think it's called Arachnid, or just Spider, that's set in Venezuela with a 50-foot spider that uh, like has this kind of acid spit that burns people. That's over the top, and it eats people as well. That's really over the top. 
scared the shit out of me when I was a kid and I caught it on TV. Um, but it's silly. Whereas this, it's a very simple story. And it's got great performances in it from Jeff, uh, Jeff Daniels and John Goodman of an expedition into the rainforest um, discovers an aggressive species of spider of a prehistoric origin. Um, they basically end up coming back by the, don't know, they bite someone and end up laying laying eggs in his coffin or something along those lines but it brings them back to the US where these spiders then start mating almost with uh, the local sort of uh, house or grass spiders you know sort of normal land spiders and their bites are incredibly venomous and lethal and it's a sort of film where if you don't like spiders and you're seeing all these ones where the spiders themselves, you know, generally seem like fairly sort of standard cinematic spiders. But they're in scenarios when it's like someone reaching for a lamp, turning on a lamp uh, under a lampshade, not really looking, putting on their shoes and just not even really thinking about it. And it's those scenarios where, um, oh, hey, Joseph Stalin. Um, <laughs> it's those, uh, oh, hello, I'm not Joseph Stalin. Apologies. Um, it's those scenarios where you think, oh, Christ, I normally just turn on the lights without looking or put my shoes on. And oh, what well, if there's a spider in there? Obviously, they're not going to be lethal like, like that. But uh, um, for around the can, sound the loo, yes. I mean, Christ, with the, the heat wave, my house has become a spider's nest. I had it um, yesterday when I um, woke up and I sort of washed my face in the sink. Now, whether this spider had been in my, my hair, God forbid, or had already been in the sink, but as I looked, as I kind of opened my eyes and looked down, I could see there was a spider writhing around in the sink. A uh, fairly big one as well. I'm thinking, fucking hell, I hope that wasn't in my hair, like, all night. Um, <laughs> and I was just there going... Oh. Oh god. Um who knows. But uh yeah, all these scenarios, I mean, as as you grow up, depending on what kind of feelings you have with them, you kind of realize a lot of it is fairly irrational. You are much bigger than them, they're more scared of you than you are of them, and we don't really get lethal ones here, although some can leave nasty bites. But this film does ramp up that paranoia, I think, is the fair thing here. It's not so much isolation, it's not so much claustrophobia, it's more of a paranoia of fear. Of, again, something that could just be walking around your house without you realising. Uh, Bruce Todd says, uh, The body nest stuck with me as a kid. Nightmare fuel reminded me of parasites, which I have a bit of a fear of. Yes, it's... Uh, when you start seeing more of the large spider near the end, the kind of the queen... The close-ups of it are quite freaky, but because it's it's almost comically larger than the other ones, um, but I guess you have to have something to go up against, and aliens proved that you have an alien, and you need to ramp up the terror from there, you have to look at where it came from, and uh, that has to be the big mama. Uh, so it's a good entertaining thing, but uh, it's, as Fran McCann says in the chat, it's taking the mundane and making it horrific, very much so. Now, returning to the homestead of these specific spiders, we go to the uh, the jungles of the Amazon, and again, almost get into science fiction realms, but this is a good 90s campy, uh, campy horror film, and that is the 1997 Anaconda, 
starring Jennifer Lopez, Ice Cube, John Voight, and Eric Stoltz, along with Owen Wilson and Jonathan Hyde. It's an adventure horror film focusing on a documentary film crew in the Amazon rainforest that's captured by a snake hunter who is hunting down a giant legendary green anaconda. I, I enjoy this film. I mean, the CGI hasn't aged well, but it is 1997 CGI. The moment when you see, I believe it's either Owen Wilson or John Voight, there's a moment where one of them gets eaten alive and you see the snake swimming underwater and you can kind of see its bo- the, the hunter's or the, the, the person's body's outline on the snake. I always remember that creeping me out. Uh, the finale, again, you've got the limitations of the effects of the time and you can only do so much, but this is a fun film. Um, I think uh, it got highly rated uh, on the very first episode of the Ministry of Horror with our guest, the lovely Danny Thompson, screen queen and glamour uh, glamour model. Rated this fairly highly when we looked at 90s, uh, 90s horror films. It's, it's good fun. And we're, we're taking a scenario where there's a lot of unknown with the rainforest, unless you've been there. And obviously, I've never been there. Um, our friend of Cannes says uh, it's a half-digested John Voight. Yes. Um, there's a a lot of unknown. There's a lot of um, expectation of what you'd get there of crazy insects that are ten times bigger and more venomous than what you normally expect. These enormous snakes um, that just devour people, and uh, yeah, it can happen. It can happen. Snakes have eaten people before. They've constricted, killed people. It's obviously very rare because more often than not, they'll stick to their habitat and uh, humans should be sticking to their habitat. But it does occur. um, And this kind of feeds into that fear of the unknown of the rainforest because there's so much that uh, we haven't looked into. I watched a series, and I think it's come back for a second series, uh, called The Kings of Pain. They're kind of douchey, the guys, but it's quite interesting. They're basically trying to create a new pain metric threshold because the original one only has three levels of pain uh, for measuring, like, bites and stings of animals. So they've looked at categorizing it down into different categories of, like, initial pain, long-term damage, longevity, things like that. So they've been to the rainforest. They've done these insects where the bite isn't venomous, but it's their blood that is incredibly toxic. They get these insects and kind of crush them on like their thigh or their 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 calf, and it it, it causes permanent damage. The the blood of these insects burns away the skin in that area, and it just looks horrendous. Um, but they also have been bitten by an anaconda, and seeing that in slow mo, I believe it's an anaconda. It may be a cobra, maybe I'm not too sure. But seeing that in slow mo is terrifying because the mouth goes so large, the fangs then protrude up. And it just, it's not just a case of it's a bite and then a sting. Like, it can shred the skin, the the the, the fangs, and just the mouth can actually just tear up the skin. Um, fan of canon, yeah. Oh, Kings of Pain was insane. I didn't know there was a second season. Yeah, Fran, check out on YouTube. I don't know if it started yet, but there has been a trailer because my sister um, actually pointed me in the direction of the Kings of Pain. So there is a second season coming, I believe. Uh, but check that out, guys. It's uh, it's a very interesting season. Some of the stuff that they they uh, they look at. There's these things called it's called like a tarantula killer or wasp killer or something. It's like it looks like a butterfly, but it hunts tarantulas, and it's insane. Like it looks quite quite 
a pretty sort of like butterfly slash I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, it it hunts tarantulas. Um which is insane. Uh but yeah, Kings of Pain, yeah, very cool. We're then gonna move on to one of our last couple of films. Oh, this has got to be honorable mentions for the birds and obviously Bird Demic. Apologies that I've not included Bird Demic. My excuse is I haven't seen Bird Demic. Um, so that's what I'm gonna be sticking with. We're now gonna get into a film that for whatever reason, for no good reason really, really creeped me out as a kid, even though by all means it is a quite a crap film, but I do still think some moments are quite creepy in that, and that is the film Congo. I think this artwork is the uh the novel, maybe. Oh god, sorry. Ooh. Um Congo, my goodness. This so if you ignore some of the nonsense in it, like the sign language uh ape that has a machine so you can hear what its sign language is, I think it's called Amy. That stuff is <laughs> just crap. Um We've got uh, an appearance from Bruce Campbell in this, uh, quite a small role, unfortunately. But I, the thing that I remember about this film, so it's a 1995 science fiction action adventure film loosely based on the 19, 1980 Michael Crichton novel, uh, directed by Frank Marshall, starring Laura Linney, Dylan Walsh, Ernie Hudson, Grant Hesloff, Joe Don Baker, Tim Curry, and Bruce Campbell. They're, they're essentially looking for a diamond uh, in the Congo jungle, but they come across this kind of like ancient race of gorillas that are mean gorillas as amy says that they're, they're bad gorillas um but some of the kills are quite violent i remember catching quite late on tv one night this one particular scene that always just freaked me out and i don't know why because it's not a scene where anything particular is happening it's more like a prelude or a, or after the fact and that is where, in this kind of uh, underground area, the kind of underground, mm, not pyramid, but I guess like a Congolese chamber, where they've kind of, uh, the scientists have camped out, this guy who's been part of the security team or the watch team out outside comes running down this staircase. I don't know if it's just because he was running in the panic and he was just like falling all around the place and covered in blood. But he's running down there and he runs straight into one of them and his face is like kind of covered in blood and it's just like, you know, it's like a massacre up there. And it's these, I don't know if you call them silverbacks, I'm sure they're silver gorillas that just batter people because you've got to think a gorilla with their sort of strength, one swipe of a closed clubbed hand would smash your face off. Um, and there's quite there's a scene with uh, the nefarious character that Tim Curry plays, where when he dies again, it's it basically gets his skull crushed. And this is the time before now where we can just do you know I've been watching a lot of the Boys season two now, trying to catch up, and I've been getting getting fairly into it. Um, you know I've, I was a bit slow to watch season two, and I know season three is apparently a lot better, but I have been getting into the later episodes of season two. But in shows like that or films like like that these days, you can just have someone crushing someone with their hand because they're super powered or they're like Michael Myers or whatever. Whereas in these days, you didn't necessarily see it. You knew what had happened because you're thinking, Christ, if, a, if an ape comes down with its fists on someone's face, their face is going to be gone. So you don't see that happen, but you see the predicament that Tim Curry's character is in and that that is about basically what's going to happen to him. It's very creepy. It's very creepy. It is a, it's a bit of a shitty film, I'll be honest, but 
in terms of taking it to a different creature feature with elements of sci-fi like the stuff with the amy ape is quite quite bad i'll be honest it's quite bad uh bruce Todd has not seen it a lot of nonsense in it tim curry and baby sorry says a lot of nonsense in it tim curry was a hoot in it though and bruce Todd says not surprising it's tim curry after all yes tim curry is a treasure um i mean one of the most recent things i've seen him in which is a few years old now is his uh two episode arc i think it is in criminal minds like i love criminal minds it's one of my favorite sort of procedural you know 20 episodes a season 15 season type shows um where you're just getting these cool cases and yeah he has a cool arc in it it's really quite good tim curry is a treasure i hope i hope things improve for him because i know that his health has been not great he is uh he is getting on a bit unfortunately but such is father time um let's just hope that you know he is uh doing all right well, that's Congo, and which leads us on to our last film. Now, we've looked in the ocean. We've looked in the sewers, flooding areas. We've looked in our, our homesteads, things coming across from uh, the rainforest. We've looked in the rainforest. So where are we going to end up? Um, we're going to end up with our family dog. Going to end up with Cujo. Cujo, Cujo, Cujo. Now, don't let the artwork fool you there that is clearly like an animatronic dog there um so it's not the best artwork but this is based it's a 1983 horror film based on the 81 novel and the novel is very good the film's good uh the novel i do think is very good and it's again directed by lewis teague didn't we we've already seen one of his films uh alligator oh cool he's done some good stuff uh written by don carlos dunaway and barbara turner uh starring d wallace Daniel Hugh Kelly and Danny Pintaro. It follows a mother and her son who are trapped inside their car while protecting themselves from a rabid St. Bernard. This, as Bruce Todd in the chat says, is a classic film. We have a lovely family St. Bernard who's playing around the garden. I think he's chasing a rabbit. Gets his nose stuck in a rabbit hole that unfortunately has not just a rabbit hole there's there's bats down there and there's a rabid bat that bites him and um rabies man rabies is a son of a bitch he gets the rabies and gets this rage rabies rage bloodlust whatever you want to call it and uh, goes on a bit of a rampage which then leads to trying to attack uh this mother and her son who are trapped in a car on a scorchingly hot day so we have the themes back of isolation of claustrophobia of paranoia because there's moments where you're thinking i need to get help for my son i can't see the dog can i can i get out and make a run for it can i leave my son here i can't take him with me slow me down people coming along potentially almost helping but then unfortunately running afoul of cujo it's a it's a great film it's a violent film makes me sad because there's only one way that this can go for for cujo it's not his fault but at the end of the day there's you can't you can't cure rabies um and a dog bites someone they can be put down this dog has done more than bite people it's it's again bringing that fear of the relative plausibility of something occurring that comes to your family home and a dog is man's best friend it's a family member and what happens when that dog who has been a member of the family again just ignore the artwork there because that is silly it doesn't grow like 
it doesn't grow implausibly big teeth like that. Um, when a dog gets this condition and suddenly they're not the same dog anymore, they've become murderous and they would kill you if they had the, the, the chance. So King says, uh, Cujo is a classic. Bruce Todd says, speaking of rabies, I think that may be the worst way to die of all time. Close to radiation, its effects on humans is horrific. Now, again, I don't know how accurate this was, but there was a, another very good episode of uh, Criminal Minds, which involved uh, rabies. And um, yeah, I mean, that's outside of Cujo. That's probably my only real sort of exposure to rabies. Both, obviously, fictional entities, not, uh, not uh, documentaries. But yeah, the way it sort of breaks down uh, the individual and the impact it has on them is pretty horrific. Baby Ice, that reminds me, Lance Henriksen's man's best friend. <laughs> oh dear yes 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 um now there's there had been an, an announcement for a new adaptation in 2015 a new adaptation called cujo but it's c dot u dot j dot o which stands for canine unit joint operations whoever thought that was a good idea whatever that idea was who thought it was a good high dear? Um, it was the fourth highest grossing horror film of 83, behind Jaws 3D, which I've still never seen Jaws 3D, uh, Psycho 2, which is very good, and Twilight Zone, the movie, which has its moments, but also people died in the making of that film, which is not good. So that brings us to an end for another show, uh, Ghouls and Fiends. I thank you very much for joining me on on this evening's show um i hope you've had a good time and whether you're watching this live or you're listening on the podcast feeds if you are watching this live and you've enjoyed yourself please like the uh, the show and give the channel a subscribe it all helps with the algorithms and if you're listening to this on podcast feeds like spotify or or apple podcasts and i hope i think we're looking into stitcher currently be sure to give us a five star review it really does help uh, we now have youtube memberships so you can join in you can get involved with the emojis obviously my favorite one on here and the discord is my dog the pooch of horror he is the best um and also check out there's been links throughout uh, from Streamlabs for links to the discord our discord community is very very cool um homework for tez because they were sadly missed bruce todd says uh oh wait a minute um what what's my homework homework for tez because they're sadly missed that my no remake needed. I'll just proceed our dog anyway. What's uh, what's my homework, Bruce? Sorry, I've, I've missed something there. Um, but coming up in the week, I believe Lawrence will be doing some gaming streaming, as we we talked about earlier. He did uh, did try a bit of Elden Ring. Wasn't for him. Not for everyone. I mean, like I say, I know that I'm never going to finish the game. Too difficult. But I like. I do like the style. I like the combat um i just don't have the patience to properly get good i can get good in small doses i can figure out bosses but uh you obviously need to put a lot of time into to really see the benefit um but uh, i believe he'll be doing some gaming in the week um i have recently dabbled uh thanks to some advice from uh, both fran and Bericles. Um, on our two trailers for the Ultimate Creature Features. Oh, okay. I'll check them out. I'll check them out, Bruce. Drop them in the Discord or, or in here for sure. Um, I've I've recently, from some advice from Frankan and Bericles, dabbled in purchasing some uh, some Warhammer to paint. I've got no interest in playing. 
uh, in playing it. I mean, I've got board games that uh, my friends aren't really interested in playing. They're more like to just drink, uh, drink, chat, and watch a film, which is fine. Um, but uh, no, I'm interested in the painting element. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to like uh, Airfix, but I don't really, I'm not really interested in the military. So I've seen a lot of things from um, internet well, you know, celebrities like uh, Rahu Kohli from Midnight Mass and obviously wrestlers recently found out like Cesaro and uh, Shayna Baszler. And of course, Superman, uh, Henry Cavill are Warhammer uh, fans. So I think I've recently received, um, yeah, Baby Eyes, Warhammer's like a sci-fi d and I think, I know you can paint, what I've got is the painting of, uh, of, um, this i think it's the necrons i've got like a very basic starter kit so what i think i'm gonna do is one night set up my um my filmmaking camera as a side cam and uh this current cam which obviously this is my cheapy sort of webcam my filmmaking camera is a 4k cinema camera uh and my film my attempt at uh at painting some warhammer don't worry, it's not going to be like a four-hour thing of me painting. I will. I'm. I'm pretty good at editing. You don't really see it on these channels because these are live streams. But I. I edit film and and weddings and stuff. So it'll have some time lapse. It'll look. It'll look good. So I'm going to be dabbling into some of that, and I'm going to do a video for the channel. More off coming up. We've got Clash at the Castle uh, in a few weeks, which I'll be going to with uh, Lawrence and Merrill and meeting up with uh, the guys there. Like, I know Bericles is going to be there. I know uh, I know Glenn was going to be there, but unfortunately can't, which is a shame. Uh, the Gruff, the, I mean, the Gruff, we're going to be talking mainly about horror, I imagine. But I'm going to blog the event. Or, no, blog. I'm going to vlog it. I'm going to record some footage uh, and put together a uh, video. And I think Lawrence will be sort of doing similar, probably bring our stuff together but i'm quite keen to make a little uh make a little vlog for that i do enjoy those um and also later next month i'm going to be going to the arnold classic in birmingham uh where arnold schwarzenegger and jean-claude van damme among a lot of other people are going to be i'm not interested in meeting celebrities but it's quite cool because i grew up with their films and also lots of strongman stuff lots of cool stuff there mma so i may vlog that and put a video on the channel so lots of things in the coming month uh, i'm going to be putting together some non-live stuff and of course, on Sunday, as per usual, is the Ministry of Slam, 7 p.m. UK time, 2 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check those out. Um, now, so far, we haven't had any technical hitches. Okay? I'm recording the show on time. Everything seems to have gone okay on time. I know I'm glitching this now, but I thought if I got to. I got I got to say it, so then it does go without a hitch, and I'm feeling good because on the MOS uh, MOS show I destroyed the quiz in like 12 seconds because I'm I am a god at quiz, at uh, the 211 quiz. Um, not that I'm trying to rub it in uh, Veracruz's face, but we're going to end the show now. So once again, thank you very much for watching. I hope you've enjoyed yourself, and uh, let's just have a quick last look at the chat. So, duh, 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 duh. Bruce Todd, I love 40k, but I'm a law hound. I can't paint them good at all. Especially Iron Warriors and Night Lords. Fran the Cannon, same Bruce, love the law. Bruce, Baby Ice, it's more complicated than D&D. Uh, Baby Ice, like painting tiny figurines or like a Bob Ross painting. I have tried to do a Bob Ross painting before Baby Ice. It didn't come out very well. Uh, Bruce Todd, there's six million dice and measuring tape. It's a large tabletop war game with armies. Yeah, so I'm just interested in doing the painting element. Um, I'm not... I'm I'm going to just, I, I like that. I'm going to try that aspect. 
putting together things, painting them. I probably don't have the same sort of patience that I did as a kid, but we'll find out. And hopefully you'll have enjoyment of my video, and I'll try not to swear too much if I get frustrated. But uh, anyway, that is it for this evening's show. I will catch you later.